Hello, everyone. My name is Per Nielsen. I'm one of the pastors here at Hoson. It is so good to be gathered with you for worship today. Whether you're in your living room or kitchen or in a car, uh, if you're watching on a TV screen, a computer screen, a telephone, or maybe just listening through your earbuds, we believe that the Lord has brought us together for this time to worship Him. We also know that in the season of online worship that there are many new faces who are joining us, and we're just so excited to have you here. And I just want to extend a special welcome to you as a part of the Hosanna family. It's good to have you participate with us in this time of worship. We're going to be gathered together for about 50 minutes or so, and during that time, we're going to begin with pressing into our hearts into God with some song. We'll then be moving into a great teaching from Pastor Jason Anderson, who's going to be in our first part of our teaching series on big questions. And the first message that we're going to be exploring is a question that many of us have asked. It's a question of human suffering and what it means to have faith in the context of human suffering. You're going to want to listen to every single word. Let me also encourage you to head out to our website. And out on our website, you're going to find a number of different resources that are available. Kids, youth, adults, prayer and care ministries. All of those resources are there for you to grow in faith. But particularly, I want to point you towards the COVID-19 response button on the homepage of our website. There you'll find opportunities to volunteer through Hosanna as we press out into the community supporting those who are in need at this time. Here at Hosanna, we value God's word and we stand on the foundation of God's word and we proclaim God's word at the start of every single worship service. Today's scripture passage comes from the book of Romans in the eighth chapter, and it talks about God's love for us and that nothing can separate us from God's love. So while we find ourselves separated from people that we know and, and sometimes people that we love, we have to be reminded that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even a virus. Would you please join me in reading this passage of scripture that we find on the screen? For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's worship this God of love. Church, it's a great day to worship together. Well, so glad. Here we go.
we believe these promises that we have a hope that never fades in you a living hope thank you for Jesus how great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living home who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to where my
in this moment, today. But we don't need to wait for another day for that. You are a living hope, alive and present with us right now in this moment. So by faith, we say yes, God. Yes to you. But all of this, but all this music, all of these melodies and rhythms, God, it's all for you. But we worship you with our whole hearts. It's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, it's so great to worship with you. Thanks for worshiping with us. Jesus Christ is indeed our living hope. Uh, again, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us, or maybe I should say welcome back if you were here for the very first time over Easter. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, normally at this time, we would be receiving our tithes and offerings, so instead, let me just say thank you for those of you who continue to faithfully give. Thank you for those of you who have set up reoccurring giving online, because what you're doing is that you're putting God first in the area of your finances. So very well done. Uh, if you do want to give today, you can text Hosanna Church to 7977. No, 77977. Uh, or as always, you could just drop a check in the mail. We really do appreciate it. Oh, and speaking of giving, um, if you were with us last weekend, you heard that Hosanna is going to continue our, our tradition of giving away everything that comes in in the Easter offering. 100% of it is going to be given away outside of this church. And pastors uh, Jen and Ryan will be here next weekend to reveal that total dollar amount. But what I can tell you is that that money is going to go to ministries and organizations that are on the front line of helping people affected by COVID. I can tell you it's going to help people right here in our own community. It is going to help our neighbors. So if you gave to that initiative, if you gave above and beyond, if you gave for the very first time, thank you. It is going to make a tangible difference in people's lives. And talking about the times that we're living in right now, for me, it's kind of like it's bizarro world. What we're living in is temporary, but yet we don't know what our new normal is going to be looking like. Although I'm guessing part of our temporary normal, like my family gatherings look a lot like your family gatherings. In fact, I'm going to show you a picture. Um, what you're going to see here is uh, my family all getting together on a Zoom call. And I'm guessing uh, mine looks a lot like yours. So there's me and my wife Amy in the upper left, my, my son, my youngest son who lives in Florida right below us, my oldest son and his wife, my brother and his family in the upper right. And then that big blank square is where my parents are supposed to be. They're trying to figure out this new technology. The first go around was a little rough, but they've, they've got it down pat now. And uh, I'm guessing <laughs> your family gatherings look very similar. And in light of everything that's happened over the past couple months, we did have a different message series planned um, two months ago, but in light of everything that has changed, we knew we needed to do something different because it's, it's during times of radical change and tragedy that all of us can start asking questions. And that's why today we are starting a new series called Big Questions because we're all asking them now. And so here's the thing. In light of our times, if you could ask the preaching team a question, what would it be? If you could ask God a question, what would it be? We want you to submit your questions because you're going to be creating the content for this series. And so just head to our website because that's where you can ask your questions there. But because of the, the ones that we've already been receiving, um, this question that we're going to be answering today, it's a big one. It's a big one I think people around the world are asking, and it's a question that people throughout the centuries have been asking, and it's really just, why God? Why is this happening? I mean, it's normal to ask questions like that whenever you're going through pain or suffering or fear for some reason. Like, I'm, God, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to lose my job, or Lord, Lord, I'm terrified that I have lost my job. I'm concerned that I'm going to get the virus, or I'm really worried because someone I care about has the virus, or worst of all, I'm angry, I'm scared because someone I love has passed away because of the virus. These are all questions that we can ask on a regular basis, and it's helping to drive the content for this particular uh, message right now. And while this, this message is really relevant to us currently, it has been asked and wrestled with over the centuries. So here's how I want to set up our time together today. Um, 
A couple of years ago, I'm driving on the North Shore, just south of Grand Marais, and uh, if you're not familiar with the area, it's basically a two-lane road, and Lake Superior is right there. And on this day, dense fog had rolled in uh, to the point where I, I'm guessing I couldn't see more than 50 feet in front of me. So I slowed way down. At, at some points, I couldn't even see the white line on the side of the road, but I didn't want to go so slow because I was afraid that you know, someone, a much braver driver than me, would come up and maybe rear-end my car. And so I'm trying to find this happy medium when through the fog, I see a pair of taillights. And I, I'm laser-locked on those taillights. Like, I, I almost didn't look at the road after that. I just was not going to lose sight of those taillights. Now, quick sidebar. If you, uh, growing up, had a parent that didn't like what your friends were doing, and they used this line that's been passed down from generation to generation, although I don't know why because it's a, I think it's a foolish thing to say. But maybe you had a parent who said, well, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off too? Well, in this case, my new best friend who was driving in front of me, if that driver went off the road, guess what? I was going off the road as well because I was just following them. Thankfully, after a 45-minute white-knuckle drive, we made it to the next town, and that's actually where the fog began to lift. And I'm telling you this because I think the same can be said when it comes to our suffering. Truth is, there's, we're never able to fully make out all the peripheral details of why we go through what we go through. I mean, we can't presume to know the mind and actions of God. In fact, over the years, when people have asked me, why would God protect us from some pain but allow us to go through others? Often my answer is, I don't know. But what we can do is look what God has revealed to us through his word in the Bible, and there we can start to see some lights. And if we follow the lights, hopefully it's going to lead to a place that brings a little more peace to our soul. Now, before we can talk about the lights, we've got to talk about the kind of suffering that we go through. Uh, the vast majority of the pain that we experience is caused either by ourselves or by someone else, either because of our poor choices or their poor choices. I mean, God doesn't make us drink too much. He doesn't make us cheat on our spouse. He doesn't make our best friend betray our trust or make our roommate go off the deep end. While God is sovereign and in control of all things, he gives us the ability to love him and love one another, which means he also gives us the ability to not love him and one another. Because love isn't love if it's not freely given. Back when Amy and I were dating in college, she broke up with me for nine months. And you, as you can imagine, I would have loved to have had a magic wand to make her fall back in love with me, but that wouldn't have been love. And so I just won her back the old-fashioned way. I just wore her down over time. Um, I read a study that said about 90% of the pain that we experience are things that humans inflict on one another. So wars, human trafficking, abuse, theft, lies. These are all things that people do to one another. And so that leaves about 10% of things that can feel random and indiscriminate. Hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, a virus. All things that insurance companies call acts of God. But are they really? See, the truth is when God created everything, he created it perfect. But when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, it changed everything. Didn't change God and his character, but it changed everything else. And so from that day till this day, we have been living in a fallen world. And so these things that feel random and indiscriminate, it's because we live in a sin-scarred world. And that's why Paul wrote this. He said, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. God's curse because of sin. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. God did not create evil and pain. Our sin did that. And so we live in this fallen world. And so what that means is that bad things are going to happen to both good and bad people, to believers and non-believers alike. But then again, it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus told us it would be this way. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, many. We've all experienced pain long before COVID showed up and we're gonna experience more of it long after it's no longer a threat. And so with that as a backdrop, now we can start talking about 
the suffering that we experience. And again, when we look in God's word, the Bible, he's gonna reveal some lights to us that will hopefully help us through our fog of pain. And so the first light is this, suffering draws us toward God. And I think most of us know someone who went through something so difficult that eventually they came to the end of themselves and they eventually turned to God. Actually, the last major national catastrophe, tragedy, if you will, that happened in our country was 9-11. And churches across the country saw people coming back to church or coming to church for the very first time because they were looking for hope, assurance, and peace during a time that it felt like there was just so very little. And for some of you watching right now, maybe that describes you. Maybe you look at what's happening right now and it just, it just feels so surreal. Like we're living in a movie or something. <laughs> actually, actually, uh, several months ago, as we were all just starting to hear about the outbreak happening in China, my wife Amy decided uh, to suggest, hey, why don't we watch the movie Contagion? The movie came out in 2011 about a global pandemic, and I said, what? No, that, that just that feels weird. I just, no, almost creepy. No, I, I don't want to watch that. So we watched the movie, and um, I can tell you, it did not lift my spirit. I did not feel better because of that. I mean, honestly, if you would have asked me, would we be living in a time that even begins to resemble that movie? I would have said no. Yet here we are. I can't, for me personally, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around the sheer number of people who will be infected, the, the sheer volume of people who have died and will die because of this virus. Those numbers, they're, they're staggering. They're sobering. It's not unusual when we experience something like this to be pulled outside of ourselves to begin to wrestle with matters of life and faith. In fact, some of you, some of you watching right now would say it took a crisis in your life to get you to turn towards God. A friend of mine, he was a well-respected professional in his field, very well-liked. By his own admission, he just kind of went to church, but he really didn't have a faith. He, had, he, he would drink socially, but over time that began to snowball and it became a borderline addiction. It caused him to do things that he, he deeply regrets, like he had an affair. And when it, when it came out, like it almost always does, he and his wife had a decision to make. And thank God, they both wanted to work on and restore the relationship. And it caused both of them to turn back towards God because they knew they couldn't restore their marriage without his help. And I can tell you their relationship is completely transformed, not only with one another, but also with Jesus. See, that's why God's suffering, the suffering that we go through is compatible with God's love because it can cause us to look outside of ourselves, to actually turn away from our old life and begin to turn towards God. Uh, the great theologian C.S. Lewis, he said it this way, God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. It is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God may not cause the pain that we're experiencing, but he can leverage it to draw us to himself. The second light that we can follow, suffering develops our character. Some of us are well aware as followers of Jesus that when we go through difficult seasons, that's when he can really begin to shape and mold us into the person that he, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, that we want to be as well. I mean, we already know that moral character comes through testing. Just take a look at our military. Uh, every recruit goes through boot camp where they are pushed physically, emotionally, mentally farther than the recruit thinks that they can go in order to make them better. As parents, we intentionally allow our kids to fail at times so that they hopefully learn and grow because of the experience. Uh, you saw my youngest son, Cole, uh, in that picture. But back when he was in college, he did not have a great uh, freshman roommate experience. And so he and a couple of friends said, uh, figured out that they were going to live together uh, in their sophomore year. And the thing about Cole is that he's less of a planner and more of a joy bringer. Like he brings life to every conversation that he's a part of. So knowing that, as soon as the freshman year ended, Amy and I started asking questions like, uh, Cole, have you guys figured out where you're gonna live yet? And his answer was, yeah, dad, don't worry, we got it taken care of. Halfway through summer, I asked him, so what's up with the lease 
on the place that you guys are gonna be living in? And he said, oh yeah, I'm talking to the boys. I'll, I'll get that to you soon. Uh, towards the end of summer, I said, Cole, do you have like a target move-in date? Do you want help with that or anything? He says, yeah, I'm talking to the boys about that. I'll let you know. Two weeks before the start of school, he comes to me and says, Dad, you're not gonna believe it. Those guys gave my room away. And my response was, wow, shocking. And as tempting as it was for us to jump in and help him and try to rescue him, we just knew this, this was a learning experience for him. And so we just said to him, well, you better get busy figuring this out. And to his credit, he did. He found another student looking for a roommate in a fully furnished apartment, which unfortunately was going to cost him several hundred dollars more each month. And by him, I mean me. So who's the joke on now? Uh, so my point being, as parents, we can let our kids go through, uh, let them make their own mistakes so that they hopefully learn and grow because of it. And so doesn't it just make sense that God can see that we may need to go through some pain, pain that we may never fully understand, but God knows that we need to go through it because it's going to lead to some eventual good. In fact, I think you know someone who has been through some, some things that are so much more than other, any of us should ever really have to go through, yet they are some of the most faith-filled people you know. Scottish theologian James Stewart, he observed this when he said, it's the spectators, it's those on the outside looking at the tragedy, that's where the skeptics come from. Instead, the fact is, it is the world's greatest sufferers who have produced the most shining examples of unconquerable faith. And to be sure, I am not suggesting that we should be really glad when pain and suffering comes our way. I don't think any of us are going, hey, God, I'm bored. Why don't you send some suffering my way? But I think we can begin to agree with Paul when he talks about suffering, when he says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And again, I'm not saying we should rejoice when pain comes our way. Instead, we can begin to agree with Paul because we know what can happen as a result of it. That's when we need to start praying, Lord, build strength in me. Give me endurance, develop my character because I know that's going to build my confident hope of salvation. And that actually points us to the third light. Suffering makes us look beyond this world. And again, it doesn't matter if you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not. God can do some of his best work in us when turning us toward eternal things. When without even knowing it, we may not have realized that we have put our hope in the wrong things. Whether that's money, our status, our job. Because when some of those things start to get stripped away... That's what can really get us start asking things like, isn't there more to life than just this? God can stir up a curiosity and a longing in us to start thinking about things beyond this world. And it makes sense because the truth is we are a soul that happens to have a body. We are a soul that happens to have a body. This life that we're living in right now, it is the warm-up for the main event. Again, this is what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians when he says, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Yet they, uh, so we don't look at the, the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Folks, our lives are a blip on the radar screen in light of eternity. Just a blip. These things that we are experiencing now, like our houses are temporary. Our jobs, temporary. Our 401ks, very temporary. Our pets, not temporary. One could argue that because animals were part of God's original creation that he deemed good, the animals may be with us in heaven one day. And so that dog that you love like a family member may be in heaven. Your cat, not so much. But I'm kidding, that's a joke. Yes, maybe our cats will be there as well. But the point is, 
what we experience in heaven will vastly outweigh everything that we experience here. Like if we had a scale in front of us and we took all the joys and all the pain, everything that we experience in this life and you put it on one side and on the other side is Jesus. Jesus who is available to everyone in their suffering. The good of Jesus, the joy of Jesus is going to vastly outweigh everything that we experience in this life. It's why Paul attempts to put this in context when he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. God can do some of his best work in difficult times because he reminds us what matters most. The eternal things and where we will spend it. The final light. We are not alone in our suffering. God did not create this world, get everything running, and then just basically say, well, good luck with that. No, he didn't. The almighty creator of the universe stepped out of heaven in the form of Jesus Christ, and he experienced everything that we experienced. Everything. He, the amazing thing, it's hard to even wrap our brain around the fact that a perfect and holy God would willingly step out of heaven into our experience. He experienced everything that we did. Now imagine this. Actually, I kind of find it a little interesting when some Christians try to get God off the hook when it comes to the issue of suffering, when God firmly placed himself on the hook on the cross. Imagine all suffering, all joy, all sorrow, all heartache, all rejection from past, present, and future, all took, uh, put on Jesus willingly on his own. He has suffered in a way that we never will. And that's what Paul is trying to describe in Philippians, he says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus is right there with us in our pain and suffering. Do you feel broken? He was broken on your behalf. Do you feel like shouting, I can't take this anymore? Jesus essentially did the same thing on the night that he was arrested that would lead to his crucifixion when he said, Lord, if there's any other way to do this, please take this cup from me. Jesus is right there with us in our pain because he is well acquainted with our grief. My father-in-law passed away a couple years ago, and um, as you can imagine, it was shocking. It was totally unexpected, and the pain was what you could imagine for the family. And um, Amy said that she could tell a difference. Everyone was very kind in their sympathy, but there's a difference between people who thought they knew what she was going through and the people who knew exactly what she was going through. People who also had lost apparent and, and so they didn't they didn't have to try to say anything profound or offer up a Christian cliche or anything like that they just entered into her pain with her with their presence and I think that's what Jesus does with us he just enters into our pain with his presence because of what he did on the cross he gets it the psalmist reminds us of that when he says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's close. And some people describe that as, that closeness as that sense of peace when there shouldn't have been any. A peace that surpasses understanding. That's what we can live with. No matter what, because of what Jesus did, his death and resurrection on the cross, we can be sure that he's right there with us through our pain. There's always gonna be fog when it comes to the road of our suffering, and I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. And before I'm done, I just, I wanna talk to two groups of people. For some of you, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, and I, I just wanna tell you, we don't believe it's an accident that you're here. God is clearly doing something, he's stirring something in you, and that is so good. And I wanna share with you one more verse. And it doesn't answer the question why when it comes to our pain, but I think it, it summarizes the lights that we've been talking about. 
Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Folks, this has got to be one of the most encouraging things that God says to us. And notice what Paul says. He says everything. That means God can take everything. He can take our sin, our mistakes, our screw-ups, and he can bring something good out of it. He can take all the things that other people meant for bad, and he can bring something good out of it. That means no pain is wasted. There's no pain for pain's sake. If we're open and inviting him to do that in our life, that is what he will do. Now, for clarity, it may take months or years or decades even for us to fully recognize the good that God has brought out of it, but it is a rock-solid promise that we can hold on to. But here's the thing. This promise is only for those who follow Jesus. See, our, our atheist friends right now would say there is no good or bad. We make up our own good or bad. Our friends who believe in karma would say, actually, you're getting what you deserve. You must have done something terrible in your past because you're just getting what you deserve. And what Jesus says to us, I'm offering you something you don't deserve. The free gift of forgiveness. Because of his death and resurrection, he's the only one who can offer it. And that's what grace is. It's, it's getting something we don't deserve. And so all you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. Accept that free gift of forgiveness. You pray and you ask to be forgiven and you just say, Lord, I may not have all the answers and I still got some doubts and questions, but today I'm gonna follow you because I wanna live with your promises and your presence in my life. Today can be the day that you say yes to Jesus. I also wanna speak to those of us who already are followers of Jesus. And my question for you is, is, one of the, is there a light that you heard today that you just feel like you need to lean in a little bit more on that's gonna help anchor you during the storms of life? Maybe God is drawing you back. Maybe you've wandered far from the foundation of faith that you once have, and, and you wanna come back because you recognize your sin is getting in the way of all your relationships, and that's not the person you wanna be, and so maybe today, Today is the day that you recommit yourself to following Jesus. You draw that line in the sand. Maybe for some of you, you know God is beginning to shape your character. Whenever I go through challenging seasons, my prayer is always, Lord, teach me, show me what I need to change, how I need to grow, grow through this. And maybe, maybe that needs to be your prayer. Or maybe God is turning your perspective more eternal. Without even realizing it, you, you've been worried more about what you have or don't have or do or don't do and all, all God is saying is, hey, that, that's temporary. Some of it's important, but it's just temporary. Or maybe, maybe what God wanted you to hear today more than anything else is that Jesus Christ is right there with you with every pain and struggle that you have. He died and rose again for you because he loves you. And so whatever it is, whatever you feel like God is prompting in you today, let me pray for all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just wanna, I wanna thank you for the lights that you show us in your word. And I wanna begin by lifting up those people, praying for those people that today is the day that they realize that they're gonna say yes to you. And if that's, if that's you and you're listening, just pray quietly in your heart because God knows your heart. Father, I'm the person that Jason is talking about. Lord, I'm scared and I want some foundation to stand on. And so, Lord, today I'm asking you to forgive me. And again, I don't have all the answers and I still have some doubts, but what I'm sure of is that you're the one who can forgive my sins and I wanna live with your power and your presence and your promises in my life. So today I become a follower of yours. And Father, for the, those of us who are followers of yours, by your Holy Spirit, reveal to us which of these lights do we le need to lean in on more, knowing that it is going to anchor us in you when the storms of life come. Father, 
You are the rock. You are our foundation, and that will never change. So, Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray all of this in the powerful and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, before we're done, before we're done, if you prayed to follow Jesus, congratulations. We want to know and we want to help you as you continue to follow him. So again, go to our website, click on the yes button because there's some resources that we want to get in your hands. Otherwise, please come back next week for the big questions series because we're going to continue to answer your questions. And so please leave with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and to be gracious to you. May he bless you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.